Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. Today we're talking about dreams. I know you've been recording your dreams quite uh, assiduously for the last, uh, how long? Uh, about two years. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like that's changed the, the nature of the dreams themselves? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I notice um, there's recurring themes that come out um, in my dreams, and some of them are kind of understandable some of them are esoteric um, but well, I've noticed that by the act of chronicling my dreams there's a sort of a feedback loop where certain things just kind of stick and I, I think that a lot of what that is is uh, I the, the, the topic sticks in my mind because I'm recalling it intentionally by writing down the dream Mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting it's like the most common elements become more common yeah like for example um childhood friends has been one of the biggest uh, themes but specifically uh one one childhood friend out of a small group that we hung out since preschool up kind of splitting apart into high school um, just one of them, my friend Dylan Pontrello. For some reason, he comes up ah, half a dozen times in the course of those two years of wow. dating. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I don't have like childhood friends show up a lot, but I, I guess I do have like people mixed from different, like from college and high school that wouldn't have ever met, and it's just normal. Mm-hmm, that kind of sure. thing. <laughs> yeah, so he, he, here's a, a kind of a point to mention. When we're talking about dreams, there's kind of two sides of, of, of interest. One is, oh, look how unlike waking life this is, how strange, how wonderful, how weird this is, mm-hmm. right? And you'll often hear this when people recount their dreams they'll eyes will spark and say but it was and then it turned into that and uh, (laughs) it's very innocent but the other side is to me so remarkable how things stay the same within my dreams the things that are consistent the things that recur the themes that's what interests me the most Mm-hmm. 
yeah, you can, <laughs> it, it definitely gives you a window into um, what like the major components of your, of your psyche are. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> um, and we'll go into later how I think that the act of paying attention and writing down my dreams has allowed me to come to terms with some hidden facets about my personality and and who I am that I would never have accepted otherwise. Mm -hmm. hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can say that I've ever had any deep revelations about myself or my dreams, although I've I've never really... I think I've toyed maybe once or twice with writing them down and I never mm -hmm. keep it up for long because inevitably there's something embarrassing that I don't want to write down, even though I'm not going right. to show anyone. <laughs> but <laughs> and, that, and that's and that's part of the, the challenge. And for me, uh, the great part of the reward is writing down everything, even the embarrassing parts, even the horrifying parts. Yeah. Yeah, I guess one one good thing for me is, is since I stopped smoking weed, like three months ago, um, I've mm. been having dreams almost every night, and uh, wow. way more vivid. I mean, because because if you go to bed high, basically you don't you don't remember your dreams, you don't have dreams. I've heard that. Yeah, and so it's been, yeah, it's been like a <laughs> overall a nice change. <laughs> you know, you get the mm. occasional like kind of terrifying one, but um, I definitely I'm able to deal with them a lot better than. I, you know, I was as a, as a kid or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a lot of nightmares when you were a kid? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the normal amount is to have. I had a couple recurring ones. So like, uh, <laughs> well, first of all, I, I had, I've always had sleep paralysis and I definitely had that as a kid, but I didn't know what it was. Mm. And, uh, I just remember it feeling like, you know, obviously I couldn't move. And then there was just like this wind rushing over me and like this feeling of terror and like there was like roaring in my ears and stuff. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I thought, it, you know, it was some like ghost or something like, you know, haunting me or just mm. like, uh, uh, which is how people, people described it like before they knew what it was, like, mm -hmm. like a spirit, like sitting on your chest or something. Um, yeah. Um, so I had those. I also, um, since I was super into dinosaurs as a kid, I, I learned very early on that the way they went extinct was that an asteroid hit the earth. <laughs> and so and we had like this dinosaur documentary that I watched, I don't know, some stupid number of times where at the end, you know, the, the, the uh, <laughs> asteroid hits the earth. And, and, you know, before like the the days before, like there's like a basically like unexpected meteor shower in the sky. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, you know the actual asteroid hits and and there's like a huge wave of like you know dust and and it's like coming towards them and uh mm. uh and <laughs> so like you know i'd be like out in the schoolyard or whatever i think like up through up through elementary school and if there was ever like a plane flying over which you know happened fairly often mm. like i would it would always make me nervous because i thought it was like you know like, oh. <laughs> that the blast front of the asteroid impact like about to commit wow <laughs> what a mantle to bear <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so that, that was kind of a recurring nightmare in like in like various forms asteroid impact mm. <laughs> wow and then you know like there was one where i was just you know out in my house at night and out of this one like wall you know ghosts started coming out and stuff and 
mm-hmm. pretty pretty freaky and yeah i mean a lot of a lot of people probably have dreams like that uh, mm-hmm. and i feel like i'm just going on and on but uh i'm curious do you have any like what's the earliest dream you can remember oh gosh i feel like if i were to ponder that for a day or or hours or something i could probably find an early one of course you know how hard it is to recall dreams especially ones that happened a long time ago yeah (laughs) yeah dream memory is so strange um have you ever had the experience of just being blindsided by a random recollection that came out of nowhere but as it comes is a complete landscape that you can pinpoint as being a dream that you had many many years ago maybe yeah like once or twice or you can't remember whether it was a dream or whether it actually happened that kind of thing yep yeah (laughs) uh i had that actually one of the first times that i did yoga at the end where you're in the shavasana pose which is just resting on your back i experienced falling into a state of just this this memory came to me and i knew it was a dream that i had had when i was a kid mm-hmm. wow do you, do you remember what the, the dream was unfortunately not <laughs> <laughs> it's floating around in there somewhere mm-hmm. so as, as i understand how memory works um, you have uh, these associations that form within your brain uh, like uh, neurons that connect and memories that are well maintained that you you keep coming back to have many uh, connections backing them up many ways in which they relate to other things inside your brain but as they become less and less relevant they may have no connections or very few connections to the point where they're basically non-existent yeah yeah but then yeah some small unusual catalyst will cause that link to reoccur and then suddenly there's the whole thing right there for you yeah yeah i was looking into uh how Neuralink is going to affect our relationship with our dreams earlier Hmm. and we already have a, a pretty coarse way to reconstruct what someone's seeing from their visual cortex like mm. someone could be watching a movie and be in a fmri machine and they can have uh on the screen like a playback of what they're seeing more or less and uh, even though the fmri is only in a resolution of like one second to two seconds they can get like an actual like movie frame rate somehow wow <laughs> i think they're will put i'll put a link to it and this is from like 2011 i think at uc berkeley Jeez. so i'm sure it's it's better now um uh but it's pretty crazy and the other weird thing is like uh faces uh like it you're it does better with faces than it does with other like text and stuff like other objects hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah and they're also using neural networks now this is like a more recent thing um but they were able to have a, a neural network reconstruct what someone was seeing from their uh from brain readings i think um wow and that's that's a pretty crazy animation because it, it like has the picture on the left side 
and on the right side it's like this evolving like kind of deep dream looking thing huh and it ends up looking like it, you can tell it's like kind of the shape it a lot of them don't really look like much <laughs> but it's it's like yeah it's like kind of the shape and it has like an impression of what it is yeah it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty crazy wow it's fascinating <laughs> it's kind of terrifying as well yeah yeah, I feel like it's it's like slowly waking up or something. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. Something else I've noticed recently, uh I had a I had a pretty bad bout with poison ivy over the course mm. of <laughs> like six weeks because I just kept getting it. Nice. <laughs> I was working in the yard. Um but that did lead lead to some like pretty serious sleep deprivation and uh i found that i had some of the most vivid dreams that i've ever had <laughs> wow that's fascinating yeah which was really interesting hmm. like and I... some, and if you have like a night of you know kind of not really falling asleep like if you have a dream you could definitely tell that you slept um and you you know you weren't just mm. awake um but uh one of them was uh i was in the house that i lived in in high school my mom's house and uh i was in the kitchen talking to this ai researcher ben gritzel i'm like really uh <laughs> really interested in he's he's doing like kind of the the cognitive architecture agi stuff um mm. in like an open source way but <laughs> the whole dream was just him telling me it's gonna be okay like if you don't accomplish anything it's gonna be okay <laughs> it's like <laughs> kind of touching yeah yeah i know it was it was like it was moving <laughs> mm. dreams can be a way i think to work through emotional things <laughs> yeah like like uh not necessarily conflicts but it could be a way to to sort things out yeah let me share a little bit of a dream from my dream journal yeah like so there's this little pastiche that presented itself to me on October 27 of 2019 last night I dreamt there was a cat and a rabbit the cat and the rabbit just want to be friends with each other but they don't know how to show it the rabbit bounces purposely up to the cat the cat snarls and bites playfully at the rabbit the rabbit thinks maybe the cat doesn't want to be friends with it. Not sure what to think. It assumes the worst and bites the cat on the nose. The cat is taken aback. He was only trying to be friendly, wary. The two engage again and are again rebuffed by the other's teeth and claws. Watching, I see that both only want connection. Individually, I approach them. First the cat, and then the rabbit. I approach softly, cautiously, showing only smooth surfaces, no claws, nor teeth, nor edges of any kind. I see that they wax at my approaching touch, reaching out and longing for it, tender contact. But now they bite and scratch at my outstretched hand, unsure, if it's raised in malice or friendship. Timidly, 
with demure bearing, wanting but not believing. I make myself hold calm at the pain and ignore its sharp bite, harder than playful, yet a warning, but not so hard as to draw blood. It's not unendurable, this pain. I stroke their flank for as long as they can endure, then let them go to claim the space that they need. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so do you think the cat and the rabbit represent a part of two different parts of yourself or is it two people you know or is it neither of those things? I would hesitate to say a specific meaning uh, to, to draw it to any, any particular person. Uh, certainly these are aspects of myself, but there are also uh, archetypes that I've seen in, in my life externally as well. Mm -hmm. Like where? Uh, friends, family, the way they interact, the you even in just acquaintances and strangers, they built in postures that people carry around that that themselves carry uh, attitudes and you know defensiveness against other people, mm -hmm. but also a longing for connection. That is the kind of thing you would notice. <laughs> it's it's the kind of thing a part of me notices clearly uh, because it's there in my dream. Um, <laughs> But it, it, it's, it's, I think, chronicling the dreams that uh, has allowed me to notice them consciously. So, so do cats and rabbits show up a lot in your other dreams? <laughs> um, those are not necessarily recurring themes. Um, although, weirdly, uh, and this may be an artifact of writing down my dreams, but I just noticed that there's think three occurrences over those two years that I was writing down my dreams in which there's like two mammals that I am like holding or are interacting with each, uh, with each other in front of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I did have rabbits growing up as a kid, so yeah, you know, I've definitely a recurring dream that I have every once in a while is that my rabbit is still alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't really get animals showing up a whole lot in my dreams. Yeah, so going back to your poison ivy giving you vivid dreams, um, that I think is a well-documented effect where if you wake yourself up at the peak of a REM cycle, then go right back to sleep after 10, 15 minutes, that will give you much more vivid dreams. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that checks out. Yeah. Another, I forget if I told you about this, but another one I had, which was kind of the last vivid one I had before the, before I was actually able to start getting good sleep again. Um, and actually, I think it was <laughs> might have been the night before my 25th birthday on September 26th. Um, I had this very vivid dream that I was with my girlfriend, Maddie, and one of her other friends. And 
they were all they were both like dressed up kind of fancy and there were other people walking around in like these bizarre like really fancy outfits but like modern fashion like weird shapes and stuff (laughs) and uh we were like walking around and one by one all these girls i had had crushes on like throughout my entire life started like joining us they were just like surrounding me in this like pod (laughs) also being dressed up really nice and uh eventually my dad was there too and like another kid from high school who i've kind of like a random kid from band who like i didn't know that well he was like pretty good at clarinet but but kind of awkward i was like you're younger mm-hmm. than me and uh <laughs> and at that point we got a bunch of balloons and all got into like a pod and like everyone was hanging on to each other and like floated up into the sky <laughs> nice which was <laughs> was uh definitely uh inspired by by this thing david blaine did recently called i think it was called ascension um where he he did exactly that uh like floated up on a bunch of like colorful balloons in the sky and then skydived mm. when he got to like twenty five thousand feet cool <laughs> <laughs> but then the, and it was you know it was a great dream up until then but then my dad like slipped down and was like hanging onto my leg like almost falling off and mm. then he fell off and like very graphically broke his leg when he hit the ground. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like yikes! And then like we, uh, I tried to steer us into like some grass to land, but we landed on asphalt instead. And that's when I woke up. Mm. Yeah, wow. I, I found that happens for me as well. When you have like everything going great sometimes, and then you're still aware if if it's particularly vivid then it's kind of like something has to happen right to keep the story interesting maybe so <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like it gets to the the good part that you worry want it to keep going um <laughs> the times it's sexual <laughs> and then the dream just stops <laughs> uh-huh. which oddly enough has led me to appreciate the anticipation elements of those sexual fantasies more than the congress part (laughs) yeah because sometimes it just doesn't feel like there's just no like (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's and, and honestly i i think there's something i can learn from that about like life you know yeah yeah I, I think there's definitely something to it that it's the the anticipation that lends it and not 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 just the anticipation but all the little things the intimacies the tenderness I think that to me holds a greater appeal than any particular act could ever yeah yeah Yeah, I mean, I don't, did you have like recurring dreams about your crushes going up, growing up? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> like number one. Well, maybe uh, among the top recurring dreams that I yeah. would ever have. Yeah. Yeah, mine mine were never sexual. Mm. I think that it was it was just like oh I'm like dating this person. And like yeah. this is amazing. Like I thought this would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
yeah, uh, dreaming and remembering my dreams has led me to be aware, I think, on some instances of crushes or attractions that I felt but hadn't uh, accepted or recognized in my waking life. Also, one thing that is a huge recurring theme for me is these really intricate and to me what feel like really real awkward uncomfortable and yet touching relationships with uh people who i admire if you'd like i can read a little sample that shows this <clears throat> jumping in uh, halfway through a paragraph here. I like her a lot, and I feel a strong attraction toward her. Part of this attraction is certainly that she shares the same attraction for me. I know that she and I would like nothing better than to be together, and this is in itself wildly attractive. Not knowing for sure how to make this come about, I begin coming on strong expressing the way I feel in myriad little ways as I interact with her. Everything I say has subtle undertone of attraction, suggestion. I want to be close to her, and I want to show it. I want to make it happen. My eyes are intent upon her like a lamp, looking in her direction always, whenever possible. My face is contorted into a perpetual grin, goofy, it's meant to be endearing. It's unconscious. I can't stop it. My muscles seem a bit strained from holding this face all the time. As I recognize this, I try to make myself stop forcing it, but it seems to be beyond my control. I begin to wonder if my expression is conveying what I want it to. I don't think it is. How could it convey anything other than strained tension? And that's not the version of me she found attractive in the first place. Hmm. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, Infinite Jest, <laughs> the, the facial expression. <laughs> right, yeah, in the first chapter where yeah. he's uh, trying to communicate uh, and horribly failing. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I, I don't know, I forget if facial expression comes into it or not. Yeah, it definitely yeah. does. <laughs> was that was that dream after you'd read it? or? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. This was uh, November of 2019. Um, so I should mention, now that I've read a couple samples from my dream journal, um you may have noticed that the writing style is not exactly a uh, matter of fact. It's, it's a little bit florid or, or just uh, colorful. Um, and to me, that is uh, my attempt to convey the sensations of the dream rather than simply reporting the sequence of events. Yeah, no, I mean, I really like the way you... you you write them out like it's it's pretty eloquent and i know it's oh, it's thanks. uh yeah no it's, it's fun to listen to good yeah. i'm glad 
Yeah. <laughs> I just have a lot of memories of my sister telling me her dreams when we were kids, and they would just go on forever and ever, and like just a bunch of like unrelated <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. Know. I would. I'd maybe be more interested in them now, now that I kind of know how how dreams work, mm. and like what what you know. But <laughs> just remember it being like <laughs> just an unending stream of of unrelated things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. There's uh, ways to convey dreams that are interesting, and ways that some people can even have a a violent reaction against wanting to hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, when when I just started writing down my dreams, uh, coming down and seeing my grandmother in the morning and saying, "Oh, I uh, just had a dream," uh, and then she's like, "Great, but don't tell me about it." <laughs> <laughs> had you told her about other dreams before? I may have done once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so so going back to uh, when I asked you what your earliest dream memory was. Yeah. I have a couple memories of dreams that were definitely nightmares, but mm. it was this indescribable geometric space. Not like psychedelic, but kind of like I was in some kind of cave or something with these bizarrely shaped walls. And there was just mm. this incredible fearing, feeling of terror. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I think that's probably my earliest dream memory. And it's like a very brief flash that I remember, but I don't know. I've always wondered if other people have have memories like that. Interesting. I I have a vivid memory of a fever dream that I would have re recurringly. Every time I was very sick as a child, I would have a very particular image what was that? <laughs> uh, it it was it was a sensation above all else, but it manifested to me as uh, a couple different ways to look at it. One is the sensation of rubbing your finger along scotch tape, and at first it was like smooth scotch tape. It was perfectly laid out flat. Mm -hmm. and then every once in a while oh there's a little bump where it didn't get laid out right and you, you know when there's like the little little bump that comes up mm -hmm. and it was like oh oh no that that's not good but okay it's back to smooth again so i guess we're all good it's smooth so how could it be anything else but smooth and then oh, oh there's a couple little bumps oh that's not good and then it would dramatically snowball into like a lot of bumps and uh then just this horrible chaotic unpleasant sensation of as if you had taken a bunch of scotch tape and balled it up into a huge messy ball and you're like <laughs> messing with it and then that was um emblematic of pure madness pure chaos i, I would be subsumed in in madness and i would know nothing else until 
eventually that sensation stopped and then it was just back to the scotch tape again the wow. smooth wow and then what, that cycle would repeat that, those dreams oh when i was fairly little um i i can't put a year on it but it was any time that i had a fever dream recounting that sensation right now actually like kind of makes me dissociate a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i can't really remember any fever dreams that i've had i remember i definitely had some this one time i was at my grandparents house in ohio for christmas and like everyone got sick <laughs> mm. i think that was in high school maybe my senior year of high school so trevor yeah have you ever had a dream in which you did psychedelics and then had the experience of being on psychedelics? Uh, I know I've definitely had a, yeah, I, I, I know I've had a couple of dreams where I like had kind of an acid flashback. I can't really remember them that well. I do remember I had one dream where I was doing shrooms with my mom hmm. in Boulder. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember a whole lot of that, but either, but it's definitely, it's definitely happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about how about you oh yeah many times and every time it feels viscerally like an acid trip and, and in fact as you said it, it feels to me probably like it is uh an acid flashback mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who don't know um acid uh has this effect that after you've taken it at random points you may experience suddenly the sensation of being on acid for a short amount of time with no warning <laughs> yeah although it can be triggered by certain things i mean like especially like uh, smoking weed <laughs> can definitely can and i i, yeah. I think that I, I don't have anything to back this up. Maybe there's a study somewhere, <laughs> I keep saying that, uh, that t talks about this, but maybe the uh, interaction between the substance and the DMT, which is released in your brain when you dream. <laughs> I'm getting, have you heard the, the Terrence McKenna story about smoking uh, DMT while on acid? No. Yeah, he said he used to do that because uh, it would make the the DMT trip last longer. Hmm. And uh, apparently, one time this lady came into his apartment on accident, right, <laughs> right during the DMT <laughs> trip, and he opened his eyes, and he said that the trip just kind of like spilled into the room, <laughs> and he started like speaking this kind of glossolalia thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine being that woman. <laughs> um, so I did actually write down at least one of my acid flashbacks while dreaming. Mm -hmm. um, so I dreamed I had taken a large amount of acid. I saw the world in bright colors, colors that were knitted from my perception. I saw that the entire world was within my vision, and in this I saw the fabric of my own soul. 
The acid is too strong. Some friends of mine go off gallivanting, but I cannot follow. I lay down exactly where I am. My head rests at the foot of a tree. I am happy. All is well. I see that everything is made out of love. I love my friends. I love this tree. I love myself. I am love. Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Do you feel like there was a certain trip that was calling back to? No, uh, and that's one of the interesting things is each time it, it's not one particular experience that's being recreated it's it's an entirely new experience but it has that same undeniable quality of being the psychedelic mm -hmm. i had one other just just because i like reading my dreams <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> one other that is very much the sensation of being on psychedelics but in the dream that wasn't what was happening um mm -hmm. so in the dream there was like this big like really tense battle that i was like a, a soldier fighting in, in, in mm -hmm. like on these lawns across two two houses um, and then we finally win and then it says and now the battle is won and all there is is silence calmness as gentle night wind caresses the well-trimmed lawn and blooming bushes sweet fragrance fills the air a matronly figure appears an older well-worn woman short in stature yet large in spirit she walks among the surviving victors and with her presence encourages us to invite love into our hearts I step outside and feel the warm air, the soil in between my toes. I am suddenly overwhelmed with immense gratitude. Everything around me is alive, the trees, the plants, the soil, everything breathes and is ecstatic just to be. The colors are intense, textured patterns shifting to geometric figures, espousing the beauty of all things. I am aware of each flower, each blade of grass, individually and simultaneously. Its life force, its presence, phallic in its forceful certainty, each protrusion melding into one continuous pattern, like waves on the ocean or arabesque spirals on a Persian rug. Suddenly I am moved to tears, it is too much and too beautiful. The woman passes by and encourages me to let it all out. I begin to weep helplessly at the beauty and splendor, the crudeness of human violence, and yet the beauty of it still, that there should be this even afterward. Man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So yeah, again, just that sensation of being on psychedelics, although in in the dream there that wasn't what was happening, but but still it was undeniably that sensation. 
yeah 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 man the 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 seeing all the detail and just being overwhelmed by it kind of thing i was i was definitely thinking about that the last time i i did acid and and like feeling feeling everything and just just within your own within your own body like how many billions of, of neurons you have and mm. and what, what it would be like to actually feel every one of those all at once wow <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a crazy thought yeah because in some sense like that that is i mean if if you've even if you're just counting the neurons in your brain and i know there's like the you you only use uh whatever it is 20 percent of your brain or something yeah, but, but i think that's bullshit in, <laughs> yeah, I, especially especially when you're on you're on uh, psychedelics, probably. <laughs> Weirdly enough, what I've heard is that the amount of activity in your brain decreases when you're on psychedelics. Well, I think it's it's the uh, there's a certain part of your brain that I know decreases. Mm. That gets kind of uh, default mode net network is I think what it's called. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. But that might be what allows different parts of your brain to communicate that wouldn't be able to communicate otherwise. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Yeah, I think the I think the most intense acid flashback I've ever had was uh the first time I did whippets in Manchester. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> and <laughs> and it was this was uh I think only a few months after I I taken acid for the first time. But uh, I, I got the same feeling of kind of forgetting where I was and who I was with and trying to think intently about like what stage of my life I was in and, and imagining back all the way through like college and high school and having moved to Texas from California and all that stuff. And, and then here I was sitting with these people in a room in, in England and it, and it was like, wait, who are these people again? Hmm. How did I get here? <laughs> wow, the, the disorientation. Yeah, yeah, disorientation. Hmm. And just, just the kind of being able to see the whole scope of your life all at once kind of thing. Wow. Like <laughs> uh, those contortionist lyrics from Intrinsic, at the edge of existence, I watch my whole life again <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, a, on a maybe only somewhat related note um i i've kind of decided that my next uh my next big project is going to be like a, a concept album cool. like i really want to make it happen e even if it's like completely instrumental but um I really want to base it on the whole eternalism time is a is a consciousness is a is a loop thing okay wow fascinating yeah but i but i don't want to do the oh the album like is a loop or like <laughs> you can play the album backwards or whatever yeah. but but what i want to do is uh slow all the tracks way down and then layer them on top of each other and then treat that as like a sound sculpture that i can like just kind of carve away pieces of hmm. maybe like transpose stuff and have it be kind of a soundscapey thing, but but like everything, all at once. In some way. Interesting. Cool. Just like a really <laughs> thick texture. Yeah, like it would be just at the end, kind of like a outro soundscapey, oh, like okay, long long thing. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. 
now I want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I gotta write the other, gotta write all the songs first. Though. Yeah, yeah. Mm. If you're enjoying the episode so far, please consider subscribing to us on whatever platform you're on right now. You can also go follow us on Instagram or Facebook, or tell your friends about us. Anything helps. You can also go check out our website at postwavepodcast.com. there's any meaningful distinction in the context of existing between dreaming and being awake uh i think so i mean because i mean you could you could take the the consciousness is everything everything is made of consciousness that's all we can know for sure thing mm-hmm. but the parts of our lives that aren't dreaming seem to be seem to have continuity like objects persist and people persist and events uh have consequences that that uh go into the next the next time you're awake whereas dreams uh that doesn't really happen that's so except for with rare rare exceptions that's so fascinating and especially because if you look at uh eeg of your brain while you're dreaming it has a very steady rhythmic pattern to it very predictable and continuous and when you're awake the pattern becomes unpredictable and random Hmm. that's interesting i wonder if that has anything to do with the the dreams are, are your brain making a sense of things idea because it's like it's putting things together in the order that makes most sense to it hmm i mean definitely that is something that happens but i i, I would be curious to see how making uh, a, a rhythmic pulse would induce that sort of organizing principle yeah, I mean, I, I'm talking about, but I don't know anything about how <laughs> 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 no. mm. actually map onto the, the so so I'm going somewhere with this, and it definitely relates to dreaming. But um, I'm curious, Trevor, how do you feel about the statement that all of existence is stemming from ideas? Uh, it's interesting what, what do you mean by that slash what do you mean by ideas uh-huh 
<laughs> um, so the, the ideological, the landscape of things that are only ideas, as opposed to having any physical form whatsoever. Um, perception is an idea. The concept of what a tomato is, is an idea. So then the statement would be that that sort of existence is preeminent or else uh, entirely necessary in order to have any sort of tangible existence. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I take issue with the word existence because I think if we weren't here being conscious, there would still be something that exists, even though we couldn't prove it. Well, but... what would that be if not consciousness? Well, it would be like the quantum wave function of the universe or whatever. Which, uh, okay, interesting. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and this is just kind of uh, plumbing to see uh, where we each stand. Uh, for me, uh, there is no possible way that that quantum waveform could be anything but consciousness. Um, but I think that's a debate <laughs> for another, another time. Yeah. <laughs> but... Okay, so let me just tell you where I'm coming from then. Um, I do have the conviction that the ideological is the source of existence. You can't have anything that doesn't first exist as an idea, and it, it definitely needs a, a physical form in order to be a present actual object. But... Uh, that it's the ideas that shape the forms that uh, the world makes as much as vice versa. Mm -hmm. Well, I, uh, I mean, but this is all from our, from our point of perception. Yeah, exactly. Like is, that's exactly the point. A, <laughs> but I feel like that's a very biased mm. way to look at things. Well, because it assumes that the the fluke of our biology is uh has something uh hmm. very deep to do with the way the universe is uh constructed i i actually ontologically sorry to interrupt but uh yeah definitely if you were if you were to assume that about our particular per form of perception as biological entities but i what what i meant was that it has the bias of coming from a position of perception, which, as we've talked about, you can't remove the perceiver from the situation. So whatever form that perception takes, whether it's a, a, a meatbag human or something else that could conceivably conceive, that still is uh, a necessary facet of existence. Yeah, well, I think it's a necessary facet of the reality we're perceiving, but, and, and that definitely doesn't exist outside of what we're perceiving. What doesn't exist? I, well, the, like, that door over there, like, there's not... That it's not a door unless you see it as being a door? Well, yeah, like, the, it's not, I mean, it's, like, you know, kind of the whole atoms are mostly empty space... And, uh, you know, it's all just these infinitesimally small quarks and electrons 
buzzing around and like interacting in this very complicated way and those themselves are probably are you know composed of some quantum some oscillations in in quantum fields mm -hmm. and it's all i mean it's all like wave functions basically sure. how i think about it i think that's a really valid way to look at the world yeah but i just think it's it's putting too much uh too much stock in in the human brain as being fundamental to what the universe is part of part of me does believe that that consciousness is something fundamental about the universe like it could be that we're tapping into some kind of field or that you know everything is slightly conscious or something like that but i i don't think it has anything to do with whether things exist or not hmm so I agree that there's nothing fundamental about the, the structure of the human brain to the fundamental nature of existence. But at the same time, I don't think that there's any correlation specifically between the human brain and consciousness. I think that consciousness can be reflected in infinite different forms of which we are just one. Huh. But you, you said they have nothing to do with each other? Well, the, the only thing that they have to do with each other is that the human form is one of those infinite forms that reflects consciousness. Right, yeah, I, I don't think it's... it's. Yeah, the human brain and animal brains in general, I don't think are the only thing. Definitely not. That, yeah. yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. But... Okay, so bringing it back, um, despite the fact that we may not agree on all of the verbiage there, um, if you take the stance that all existence must first or primarily exist as the idea, then you can say that dreaming is on a fundamental level the same thing as what we do when we're awake. It's just a slightly different form of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess I see what you're saying. Although I still take issue with the word idea because that seems to imply that there's like a brain thinking the idea, but... Uh... Yeah, just, just <laughs> the language of it. Uh, and and, and yeah. by idea, I guess I mean ideological landscape and you know, yeah it, and if the if something like the simulation argument is true then that would definitely seem to make dreams and reality basically the same have the same level of of uh metaphysical significance or whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's really kind of dizzying to think about because this is one of those ideas that at first uh, I I personally dismiss as no, you, you don't dream reality into existence. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, the less I could actually prove that. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Until it it finally starts to feel like maybe it's true. And then when you feel that, it's like the world is falling out from under your feet. Everything you knew yeah. is being indelible truth is just a notion yeah 
Do you do you ever listen to Bill Hicks? No. He's he's a comedian. Um and the the band Tool uh used one a clip from one of his routines in the intro uh to their song Third Eye, which is like one of my favorite Tool songs ever. Uh, but it's it's a really famous bit, uh, and we'll we'll link to it. But uh, see if I can. Uh, so the, <laughs> the whole bit is, uh, you know, you always hear people uh, on the news. You always hear about people, you know, getting high on acid and and jumping out buildings, thinking they can fly. But you know, where are all the good acid stories? <laughs> like, there's a lot of those too. Today, a young man on acid realized that all matter is just energy condensed to a single slow vibration. There's no such thing as death. Life is just a dream and we're the imagination of ourselves. Here's Tom with the weather. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have heard this. Okay, I got through it's it. brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, I think earlier, <laughs> it's like, it's not because they did acid. It's because they're stupid. Like, I don't think I can fly. It's like, good riddance. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, he was from Austin. Like, he, uh, he got a start here. Hmm. I like this comedy club. It's just a couple blocks away from, uh, where my mom's old house is. That's really cool. So, how how many experiences have you had with with lucid dreaming? Mm. I intended to get into lucid dreaming uh, toward the end of high school and in college as well. I read a book uh, about lucid dreaming. I believe it was titled "Lucid Dreaming." I'll link to it in the doobly doo. Um. And I, I would go through periods where I would attempt and I would do all the things that they said so that you could remember your dreams and then take control of them when you when you realize them. But I never really got there. I would mm-hmm. have uh, what are called false awakenings, which goes beyond just the experience of dreaming that you wake up, which is definitely a big part of it. But um, for me it would go something like this. I'd be dreaming about something, and I'd do the reality check where you uh, have this ingrained habit that you do during the day when you, in waking life where you look uh, at your hands, for example, and see how many fingers do you have. And if it's not five, then you're dreaming. <laughs> or if you can stick uh. your thumb through your palm, then you're dreaming. And then uh. if you recognize that, if you do that habit in your dream and you recognize that, then there's this kind of like, holy shit, holy shit, I am dreaming. And for me, every time that would happen, I would go on overdrive and everything would suddenly pop into really intense detail. However, it was really unstable and furthermore it felt like there was some entity that was somewhere within me that was actively doing everything it could to suppress me being in a lucid dream um, hmm. where it, it felt like for example I'm in the bathroom and I'm looking around and there's 
several digital clocks and they all have slightly different times and I'm looking at the the numerals and hang on hang on hang on hang on those numerals are not the normal numerals those are <laughs> weird shapes and when I look away and when I look back they're different I am definitely <laughs> dreaming and, and <laughs> I'd be like oh shit and adrenaline rush and then there's this force that's like well I can't stop you from lucid dreaming right now, but I'm going to make everything really creepy, really, really creepy so that you won't want to be here anymore. And <laughs> then like all of everything pops into horrible detail and like the walls turn kind of green and like everything's just like as if under a fluorescent light bulb and malignant until the point where I wake up or more normally dream that I wake up. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've never I've never made a concerted effort to to, to like get get good at lucid dreaming. Yeah, it happens. It happens very little, but I always think about it. It seems like a really <laughs> yeah, remarkable I've, thing to be able to do. Yeah, part of the appeal of it is you just, you just have so much more time, <laughs> mm. like to to exist and yeah, and do things like in the inception <laughs> we need to go deeper that's what she said <laughs> we <laughs> hey, what, what were those death grip albums or the death grip side project lyrics uh i'm going so far into wow. you you're going so far into me too i don't know what other people do <laughs> i'm going so far into you <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll put a link to that song in the in the doobly <laughs> of course i've heard that Lucid dreaming can be a really effectual means of practicing your instrument effectively. Oh, really? That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's something we haven't talked about is, is like music, like making music in dreams. I feel like I've had, I've had relatively few of those. I have had some like ballet piano stress dreams at least a couple times. Of course. <laughs> 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 um, I've had a lot of other like stress, like music stress related dreams, but um, mm. yeah, it's interesting. I didn't know people. Is that specifically with 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 lucid dreaming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you practice in dreams, I I believe this was in the book that I was reading that that I'll link to that you have uh like they they were able to measure significant increase in like how well the person played the piece after having lucid dream practiced. Yeah, I mean you could probably I mean I know I know like mental practice is a thing. Just like away from mm -hmm. your instrument. I mean for me that's a major part of how I practice is it's it's not what happens when you're on the instrument. It's you practice enough so that it's in your mind and then your mind is working on it even when you're doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah, especially with, with trying to memorize things. So have you ever written any musical ideas that you got when you were dreaming? 
No, I don't think I have. I've tried, and oftentimes I'll find that when when I actually remember the musical idea when I wake up, which is really hard, uh, it's usually like not great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're dreaming, it just feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, I, I don't know if this counts, but uh, one of my more recent dreams, uh, I was at a concert that was either, it was kind of like Death Grips and or Mars Volta at the same time, also at the same time as the Miro Quartet, which is this really uh, good string quartet in town. Mm. And there was a long preamble like we were getting tickets and stuff, but I was there uh, with my girlfriend Maddie and uh, like my one of my biggest crushes from from school. Mm, recurring theme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and after that, there was this big parade that I was organizing somehow, and it was like a performance art thing, and I had all these like found object like trash things that i was using to <laughs> perform on okay yeah i don't know that kind of counts cool <laughs> yeah um, i actually did have uh the, the first piece of music that i wrote in college that uh viola solo that i titled bleed the f the first uh idea that i had for that piece i got just as i was falling asleep or just after I'd fallen asleep, and then I made myself wake up and write it down. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think that that part turned out pretty well. That's cool. Yeah, I've 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 noticed more and more recently, uh, how I I can be aware if I'm falling asleep just, uh, from how my thoughts kind of go on a weird tangent mm. that doesn't really make sense all of a sudden. Yeah, and it's just a tangent off of a tangent. If I if I suddenly wake up a little more like wait what the hell was i thinking about <laughs> it didn't make any sense at all <laughs> yeah and a lot of, i mean i guess this hasn't happened recently but a lot of times that could like spiral into a nightmare if, mm. it, if it like goes off off on a wrong path mm -hmm. um, what's the scariest thing you've ever dreamed oh gosh uh i don't know i mean all that all the asteroid dreams are pretty scary mm. <laughs> i remember there was this other dream where i was in i was in like middle school or something or elementary school and i was like there was like a huge semi truck coming down our street and i was in the street and i couldn't move uh-huh <laughs> that was pretty scary mm. um, i mean the dream with my dad and the, the falling from the balloons thing was pretty scary just because it was in such like vivid detail <laughs> i wasn't like terrified or anything it was like jesus christ <laughs> yeah like, what, what just happened yeah if definitely had the really vivid horrible visual visceral like gore things happen in my dream as well yeah 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 and actually actually if i think about it and this had occurred to me before i didn't mention it so my dad recently went to this uh like socially distanced music festival um with his girlfriend mm -hmm. and uh, ended up being less socially distanced than they've planned on uh-huh <laughs> because they saw a bunch of people they do and whatever and um and so like it was right before my birthday so we, we couldn't hang out until last week and and when they 
<laughs> when they got back like the day after, I was like, yeah, now we're both not feeling great. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so I think it was, it was definitely like worrying about my dad. <laughs> yeah. Like related to that. Influences for, throughout your day definitely uh, influence your dreams a lot. Yeah. I found it doesn't take much. It takes just like a word or a name to bring something into my dreams. How often do you have like a situation where something outside, like a sound or something, makes its way into your dream somehow? It's hard to say because uh, unless it actually wakes me up, I don't know that that's where it came from. Yeah. But definitely it will happen from time to time. Yeah, I know I know it's happened to me a few times, but I can't remember. Probably with like my alarm clock going off or, or something mm -hmm. cliche like that. Yeah. I had one dream a year or two ago where I thought that that was what was happening because it was this really visceral feeling of like sound of this voice and it was just going like oh god oh please stop oh make it stop oh god please lucas make it stop <laughs> and it's it so horrifying that i woke up and i was listening and listening but there's nowhere that could have been coming from mm -hmm. wow <laughs> <laughs> i would say that Maybe the scariest thing I've ever dreamed was that I was a ghost. Did you know how you died? No, I was in the house I grew up in and I was just kind of milling about. And I think I was like in the bathroom, but the door was open and I went over and looked out and I looked across the hallway and there's my mom and she's looking at me in this really kind of strange way. And the moment that she sees me, I feel my existence rapidly in, in a split second hurtling towards non-existence. And it's this really like intense series of uh, flashing complicated visuals that dramatically approached lower and lower fidelity as if uh the image is becoming compressed and compressed and that that was what i was and that if i reach the zero point then i stop existing and so you know i i hid myself and then i'm like shit if anyone sees me i'll stop existing and like then just like having to hold myself in existence and if i let go i stop existing damn <laughs> how long ago was that uh several years yeah damn. <laughs> yeah, i've never had like as as philosophical a dream as that <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's the thing though because it depends on someone else it, it's all there that's what I'm, I'm finding the more i write down my dreams all of the philosophical all the reflective stuff it's there under the surface and it just takes drawing it out to recognize it yeah yeah that makes sense dreams yes or no 
<laughs> I'd do it. <laughs> Four out of five. Yeah. Do you want to read one more of your dreams to take us out? Oh boy, do I. <laughs> Last night I dreamed I was the executor or caretaker of an enclosed space, which was a hallway with rooms connected to a small grocery store. People lived in the rooms, and it was my responsibility to look after them and make sure that they had everything they wanted. I'd inherited the post from my father, who stressed to me the importance of staying at my post. And it seems that there's no other option, because all this universe consists of is just the one hallway with its guests and the grocery store. I know it like the back of my hand, as this has been my whole life. There is no corner of this place that is not achingly familiar to me, and that is as it should be. <clears throat> Except, there are the doors that are forbidden to me. They should be locked, but they are not, not all of them. My father has warned me against opening those doors. I have a sense that I should have the courage to go outward and explore what's new. After all, I know this place so well. What more is there for me here? In truth, this should be enough for me. But it's not. With a sense of horror, I reach toward the doorknob of the boiler room next to the supply closet. This space is not for me. But the doorknob twists and it opens into a vacuous space, a looming darkness that pushes outward, threatening me. I close the door. Returning to the grocery store, I cast about for something to buy. I should eat something to calm my nerves, though I don't feel hungry. Come to think of it, I never feel hungry in this space. Though the shelves seem well stocked from a distance, my expert eye discerns that in reality there are very few food items left. This is troubling as this space is never supposed to run out of supplies. I select a box of Tic Tacs, which should be enough sustenance for me. I nod to the cashier with a self-important bustle that does not seem to impress her, though she respects me. A young woman, she is pale and a little dumpy, with blonde hair, dyed pink, and a kind face. I conclude the transaction and, with new resolve, return to the forbidden door. This one sits in the center of one wall to the grocery store where an exit might normally be, seemingly invisible to the customers perusing the wares around me. I approach the doubled doors and peer out into the space beyond what looks like it might be a courtyard, brightly lit as if by daylight but remarkably plain and empty. I peek around to the right where something luminescent is happening just beyond my sight. But now, looking straight across to the opposite wall, 
I see my sister standing in a glass box. She makes beckoning gestures as she stares straight at me, large, dance-like flowing movements that are entirely unlike her, alluring. Heather would never move that way. This is not her, it's a farce. The place trying to lure me out to abandon my sanity and become lost in its halls forever. With a shudder, I pull myself away. But the nagging curiosity does not leave me. Almost against my will, I try another door, this one opposite the boiler room in a small enclave. Industrial and uniform, just like the other doors in the hallway, it opens with a reverberating click. In this door, I see another hallway mirrored back at me, parallel to my own. It is dimly lit as if with moonlight, and has the air of an elementary school corridor. I peek my head through the threshold, and to my right I see another doorway on the same side of the hall as me. From its frame emanates a ghostly luminescence, a beautiful and strange radiance that pours from the open doorway. I yearn to see what is in there, leaning my body out into the hallway as I hang onto the doorframe. Something magical is happening just beyond my sight. If I see it, all will be revealed to me, and I will have everything I've ever dreamed of and more. Staring with mounting horror and fascination, I am indelibly aware that this hallway beyond the door is another universe, parallel and separate from my own, governed by its own rules and impulses. What's more, it's most certainly connected to other universes, which are connected to others in turn, an unending and dizzying array of realities leading further and further from my own understanding of truth. It would be so easy to become lost in this madness, to forget my sanity and myself. It is almost unthinkable. With a start, I struggle to pull myself back through the threshold. As I'd been leaning to get a better look at the light, the space had been pulling me into itself, an inexorable drive like gravity or surface tension. My terror lends me strength, and I am able to overcome the force, remaining on my feet in my own reality. I know that if I step through, I will not be able to return. However, my terror also wakes me up so that I am aware I had been dreaming. In the same moment, I realize there is nothing to fear and that I want to explore those alternate universes to see what was behind the luminescent door. I will myself back to sleep, and to my surprise, I'm able to return to the door where I had been in the dream. But, by now, the magic is fading, and while I remember going through the door and seeing the light, I do not remember much more.